Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. It's Fridays with Kevin Allen, and Kevin is here, and Eck will be here any minute. Uh, Russ, start us off with the pre-show. Well, the Summer Olympics seems to be happening, and it looks like one of the uh, sports that we're going to see there is climbing. Climbing is going to debut, and I, you know, it, it makes me wonder, are they doing it because it's an outdoor sport in a COVID society? It kind of is a smart thing if that's what they're thinking, because if you think about it, Kev, like, to me, yeah. they, the best idea is to keep as many sports outdoors as you can. Yeah, for sure. And the one thing we know about the Olympic Games is is you put um, country logos and flags on uh, people's jerseys, and we will act as if it is the most important sport in the world for 17 days. Well, uh, is it is it climbing like like the like the wall at Dick's Sporting Goods? Yeah, it, but much difficult. More, but it's not it's difficult. not it's not climbing Mount Fuji. No, no, no. it'll be climbing like a, a very difficult course. If you were like, you know, an expert, uh, but yes, at those indoor gyms, but now this is going to be outdoor. So yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one to to throw in there because there are a lot of climbers now. I mean, I see yeah. Jared Leto all the time on my time timeline. That's what he does. Nobody ever thinks about falling to their death. I guess I'm the only one, but otherwise it's great, it's great yeah. exercise. Well, it, it's the people that think about that that keep um, most of us on the ground. Right, you know, because we do think <laughs> we do we do think about that, but you know, uh, you know, we we it's hard for us, especially an old codger like me, um, to um, really come to grips with the fact that you know the sports world has evolved. Like, um, yeah. you know, like the X Games. And the first time I heard about that, I you know kind of uh, rolled my eyes a little bit. But mm -hmm. you know, they're a big business now, and there are a lot yeah. of people that are interested in that and. Um, you know, we, we see now that, uh, you know, the crowds that gaming competitions get and colleges yeah. are going with, uh, you know, teams and they're giving out scholarships. And, um, you know, the same is true with uh, in this in the sporting world. Like well, here's here's some breaking news, too, for the Olympics. They are banning uh, foreign visitors. Yes. No. It's yeah, a no yeah, that's that's been out a while. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that a couple of days ago. I mean, but if you have a vaccine and you could show someone you're vaccinated, like I, I don't understand the thought process behind this. Yeah, well, I think they're just being rather safe than sorry. You know, it's easier to. Um, now, I wonder if that extends to reporters. I mean, and from what I understand, that that may be for. Um, yeah, we don't know spectators, but I wonder if it has to do with. Yeah, I assumed it wouldn't be for reporters, um, right. but you know, you know, it's. Uh oh, uh oh. One more bit of news for the Olympics. Yeah, oh, you froze there for a sec, Ken. Yeah, no, I was just saying, you know, you know why they're doing it. It's it's just easier to secure. 
right when, when you don't have a lot of when you have no people as opposed to well we're going to let some people in so uh 2024 the summer olympics in paris will have break dancing oh jesus christ how do you feel about that kevin well it, it doesn't <laughs> seem, that seems more like uh you know entertainment i mean we don't we you know we've had ballet around for 300 years and that's not an olympic sport you know well, break dancing is going to be now so yeah, I, you know, I try to be open-minded, but that, that, you know, that just doesn't seem to, you know, rock climbing seems like it could be. Yeah, rock climbing is definitely hard. Right. Well, I, I'm sure breakdancing is hard too, but that, the point is, like, that's rock climbing can be competitive. I mean, you, yes. you see it when people go out and they say, you know, this was my time, go beat that. Yeah, so, I mean, Russ. I mean, breakdancing would be would be tough, especially for me. If I spun on my head, I'd lose all my hair. Yeah, I mean, the only competitive breakdancing I ever saw was like an electric boogaloo or something. Like, groove. <laughs> and it, you know, it's it's hard to get a dance off between countries, Kev. I, I well, that, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, there are dance competitions, but you know, they're not in the sporting realm, right? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything against breakdancing. I just no, I don't I, either. I just don't that, know how they're going to make it uh, gripping enough, or exciting enough, or competitive enough for us to care. Well, I know what you said before is generally true, but I don't know. This one's going to be a tough one, Russ. They're yeah, going hey. to pull competitors from the masked dancer. <laughs> All right, let's let's get started. Uh, hello, hockey world. Today is Friday, March twelfth, twenty twenty one. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. And sort of in a similar vein to what we were just talking about, I wanted to, because I asked this of Anthony and Russ yesterday on the one-year anniversary, Kevin, and talking about how the landscape of the world, especially the sports world, has changed. You know, now it's one year and a day since the NBA shut down last March 11th when Ruby Gobert tested positive. And you know, not, we're 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 sort of like in it in a sense that it's a it's an everyday thing, and we're used to, uh, you know, the, the the trials and tribulations of the sports world. But if you look at like what's going on right now, I mean, positive tests in the NHL. Um, you know, a team like the Toronto Blue Jays having to play in Dunedin, Florida, instead of being able to play in Toronto because the Canadians won't open the border to American teams. All these things that have gone on in the NFL and the NBA and the major league sports. And it doesn't seem like reality compared to the way we were a year ago. No, but, you know, the one thing that, you know, has happened, like, you know, we went through this period in the NHL when it seems there was just far too many, and it certainly has reduced since then. You know, since they uh, enhanced the protocols, um, you know, we've had a smattering as opposed to it looked like we were surging. So, you know, it, it's been a work in progress. Everybody's uh, done the best they could, and, uh, you know, I'm glad that we did it. Uh, it was not perfect, um, but, you know, we knew it wasn't going to be. And, uh, you know, the NFL kind of showed everyone what it was going to be like. And, you know, you always thought there were so many positive tests in football. You think, well, they won't possibly be able to, you know, hold this together. Their dressing rooms are yeah. larger. There's more people you're dealing with. But you know what? They crowned the Super Bowl champion. There was, uh, you know, drama. We didn't have people in the stands. And now, you know, already you're seeing the uh, difference now that we have 
um, some people, 50 million people vaccinated or whatever the number is now. And, uh, you know, you're talking about 10% or 20%. It won't be long until we'll be back with the uh, full arena. So, you know, I, you know, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel here. And, um, you know, we just got to remain vigilant and people got to be careful. Uh, you know, we're not through this yet. Um, and then we're just going to, we're going to be back and, you know, we're going to be dealing with COVID probably like we do with the flu where we have to get a renewal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Kev, what my feeling still is, even though I know at some point we're going to get like, you know, 25% in the playoffs and in, in the stands and some different things. I kind of wonder though, if a Canadian team is going up against a U.S. team in the Stanley Cup, and there's still an issue where, hey, they can only have 25% in their home building. I do kind of wonder if they would move it to a neutral site so they well, could fill the arenas. Bet Batman already talked about Batman and Daly yeah. talked about that yesterday in their conference call, Russ. I mean, they're not they're not uh, throwing out the possibility of, for example, if Toronto makes the the uh, the semifinals, them playing their games in Buffalo. Right. Or That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. Or Winnipeg playing in Minnesota or something yeah. like that. Be That's what I think would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, right now, I mean, obviously the, the the Canadian the Canadian border won't be open, and the whole problem is not the Canadians playing in Canada, but the U.S. teams being able to cross the border and not having to quarantine for fourteen days. That's a non-starter. So they may have, be forced to play. Uh, you know, Toronto be. I mean. And the problem is Toronto fans won't be able to cross the border to come to uh, to to view the games because they right. I believe they would have to quarantine for 14 days going back. So yeah, I just figured I didn't hear that quote, but I just kind of figured that that was probably what's going to happen. Well, you know, you, you sort of misspoke. You know, the uh, six and a half or eight and a half million Toronto fans in Toronto will not be able to come. Right. But the two million Toronto fans scattered around the United States will yeah. be flocking. I wonder if this isn't, you know, another opportunity uh, to test something out. Uh, you know, like we've been able to test, uh, you know, two game series and three game series, and I right. think we all found we like them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I, I wouldn't mind them, you know, just sort of saying, "Hey, you know, like if Vegas was uh, allowing." Uh, high capacity, saying we're going to hold the seven-game series in Vegas, right? At, at a neutral site, you know, make it, uh, you know, tie it, make it a big event, you know, uh, do your do your thing, and uh, just you know, and and if it's only a one-off, it's a one-off. Yeah, I think yeah. that could happen this year. I really, yeah, do. it's well, a it's a novelty, and and check it out. Well, Stephen Stephen Wino tweeted out a couple hours ago uh, that of the twenty-five. NHL teams right now, only five have not been cleared for some percentage of fans. And that's Chicago, Washington, and the three and the three California teams. Uh, you know, Colorado is going to have fans, uh, I guess, in a couple weeks. Uh, Minnesota is going to have fans as of April fifth. So, I mean, Texas can have full fans, which is crazy, but they can. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, in Detroit, they they have less than a thousand. It's nine hundred. Yeah. yeah. 37 or something. So. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, just along this vein and then uh, we'll yeah. wherever you want to go. Yeah. Um, the, the, the reports yesterday and I, 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 I pondered this question last week. 
was how the quarantine, the length of quarantine was going to affect the Canadian teams at the deadline. And we saw with Pierre-Luc Dubois sitting out for two weeks and then coming back and not be, and, and injuring himself because he was completely, you know, not playing, not skating, not doing anything. Uh, apparently the seven Canadian teams have petitioned the Canadian government and they have some confidence. Yeah, that's right. actually where we want to go, Mike. You're oh, perfectly transitioning into my story. <laughs> I was just talking to somebody about and I apologize for being late, but I was um I got I got through to somebody in Montreal who I've been waiting to who used to work at the NHL and I was in Montreal, yep. um and they because I was getting this impression and before this, I, I talked about it last week on the podcast before this came before this article came out that the Canadians were petitioning them I got the impression from talking to Canadian teams that they weren't super worried about this quarantine thing that there was going to be some kind of out for them. Am I breaking up on you guys? No, 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 no. no. All right, I'm freezing on my end. Um, all right, so there was going to be some kind of out for them, and, and they weren't super nervous about it. And then uh, that person just called me now and is talking from Montreal, and we got into some Montreal rumors, which I'll get into as well. Yep. Um, was saying, yeah, that they believe it's going to be going to turn into a seven-day quarantine from a 14-day quarantine, and that it's going to be as, as long as that person is tested immediately, like upon the trade. So basically, a guy gets traded, he gets tested, right? Right. And after that test, he... Um, you get, you know, he if that test comes back negative, I mean, and that starts the quarantine right there, the West day one still when the trade's made. Yeah. And the big issue, this is the big issue, right? And we thought, it's funny, and Kevin, you and I talked earlier this week, I think, about the fact that, you know, you kind of thought that this week would be a big week um, based on things you were That's talking about. I was told, but it, it hasn't been yeah. at all. And it's been an incredible, I mean, we haven't had one move, right? So, um, and I tried, so I asked him about that too. And, I, and he said, well, this is the thing. And it's not just... Um, it's not just Montreal, um, and it's not just it's, – it's the fact is the teams in the U.S., okay, who are, say, Ekholm is being shopped. And if, if any of those teams are Canadian teams, they're looking at them, which is, you know, Winnipeg's one of them. Yeah. Um, if that's happening, right, then, then, then you know, Nashville's sitting back and waiting for this Canadian thing to get worked out too. They're trying to figure out what's happening with it. Well, you know, because you could, it changes things if you can't get them for 14 days. And if you're Winnipeg and you have to give up something – and you're in Nashville and you have to give up something um, and you can't get it for a period of time, you're essentially trading away a good, if it's a good player on your team, for nothing for two weeks. So you're losing a player and getting nothing right. back. So yeah, it's not just the teams trading them are not going to be the teams that are in the race. Well, right. that's that's why that's why. No, but if you're trading for him, no, I'm talking about trading for him. So not well, Nashville necessarily, but, you know, if you're Winnipeg. And, yeah, you know, Winnipeg for sure, yeah. But say, but say, but say, they want, um, I don't know. Let's pick a pick a pick. Maybe it's a maybe it's a it's a player on their current roster, right? That yeah, but this is why I think like the, the Ducks should trade with the Kings as an example. If the Kings want to be buyers, because then there's nothing but a couple of negative tests you have to worry well, about. Right, but I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, is that happens? Okay, so Winnipeg say Nashville says we want, um, you know, a, a, one of your players is one of your defensemen now, one of your forwards now, or whatever in the deal. But uh, um, Winnipeg yeah. has to take that player from their roster. Without, so now they're playing without him and without Ekholm for a while. Right. Right? And that's that's the big issue. So the seven-day thing um, is, is, is why it, in Canada and the 14-day thing is why, the, is why things have dried up here in the United States as well. Yeah. That's what he was this, this, this is why, like, for example, and, and, and Elliot Friedman talked about this about a, about a couple of weeks ago about, like, the, for example, Toronto has a gap in their schedule starting tomorrow where they play five games in two weeks. Which, right. is, which is relatively, you know, re relatively sparse. 
And yeah. that would be the opportunity if the 14-day quarantine is in place for them to make a deal because it would affect them for a very few games. I'm looking at Winnipeg's schedule. They're playing every other day from now until April 12th. So there is no gap. So they have to have that's the quarantine yeah. come down to seven days to not adversely affect them. If they have yeah, right. Paul Stosny, for example. And they should trade with Ottawa then. Find right. Somebody maybe, Ottawa. maybe they trade for Ryan Dezingle or something like that. I mean, that yeah. makes sense for them. Or Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. But even if you, yeah, I mean, and it, it, yeah, there are, I think that, I think there, but so the, the bottom line is that, you know, now it didn't really help, you know, it's not helping Edmonton right now and get their goalie in there. You know, it hasn't, that well, hasn't, he's, that's, he's halfway there next week. He'll be there. Halfway there. But if they, but it's, they all, it's also possible that if this thing changes over the, and my guy in Montreal seemed to think that there would be a change in the, in by Monday, by the end of business on Monday, he felt like there would be something. But well, I'll be and he'll be there earlier. But I'll give you, I'll give you the exception. I'll give you the exception to this act. I mean, if you're okay, if you're a team like Toronto or if you're a team like Winnipeg, where you might be trading uh, a guy like somebody in the chat said Veselainen or or yeah. Nola or Logan Stanley, a player who's not on their roster, or if you're the Maple Leafs and you're trading Timothy Liljegren and draft picks, then it doesn't matter that you know you're ha you're having to wait two weeks because you're not subtracting from your nhl roster right yeah so yeah. that's the exception now if they are right. like, if the Leafs are trading alex kerfoot in a deal to get somebody then yes then they're without that player for two weeks and then yeah, i mean yeah we, we've already uh, witnessed how this would work because we saw the lining uh roster right. and right yeah, well that it, that was not a good uh you know for either party uh yeah yeah, that. and that's something to remember too. It, if it's seven days, you know, yeah, it's only three games. So seven days is, is three or two. It could it's be managed. three. Yeah. Could yeah, yeah could, could be four. But now you you brought up the name Vesselin, and now if I if I'm if I'm Chevy and maybe the price is too steep, I it looks like Vesselin just is starting to play now with Manitoba because he was over on loan in Finland. So you know what? I'll bring up Vesselin and I'll roll the dice because at least he's a power forward. He's 21 yeah. now. I mean, I think teams are going to be more inclined to do that. I think there are going to be some teams that are going to have to try and see with some of their younger players, the ones that are physically ready. I don't know, Russ. I mean, I, I get the impression like, okay, you know, Toronto is in a win now mode. I'm not saying they're going to yeah. give up any of their top prospects. They're not going to give up Nick Robertson. They're not going to give up Rasmus Sandin. But if they have, if they have an opportunity to add a – a top six, top nine forward, or another defenseman, they're probably going to do it and, and you know, prospect or draft pick be damned. Uh, I think Montreal and I think Winnipeg are in the same mindset. I yeah, think but they, have, they have players they can bring up. Like I said, Montreal could bring up Paling. These There are teams that have guys that they could bring up at some point, and I think they're yeah. going to have to look at that. Because these are these are not 18-year-olds. These are 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds in some cases. Yeah. But but there's two there, you know there's two kinds of trades that you're you're making, you know mm -hmm. you're either making a depth plug-in, you know type trade or right. you're really trying to alter the look of yeah. your team. And Winnipeg yeah. is trying to alter the look of their team. You're yes, not bringing yeah. up somebody from the minors to do that. Right. right. So That's now a great there point. are teams who are looking for depth. Who you know you your logic holds. Yes. And if you're yeah. looking for depth, yeah, you know then it makes some sense to bring up, but. You know, you're not finding Matias Ekholm down on your farm team, right? So, right. You know, I think well, in Carolina you will, and Jake Bean, but most times you won't. Well, Russ, right. I, I mean, I, Jake Bean's playing up now, anyhow, and they did remind me Messalain yeah. played up a little bit this year yeah. too. Yeah, well, the, one thing that the point that needs to be made too is, you know, if it goes down to seven, 
days then you know and it's three games well we run into that periodically anyway with visa issues sure so you know you 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 trade deadline somebody gets traded to you know toronto or winnipeg and well when's he going to play well we're not sure he's got to look we got to get the the immigration work done and it's usually a couple of games before yeah but here's a good example so it, would I if, if let's say Carolina would have traded for Matias Ekholm or called up Jake Bean like they did? Jake Bean's got nine points in sixteen games. Ekholm's not going to be any better than that. They're, you know, no, but they're not getting Ekholm to get points, Russ. Yeah, he's a different you type. Know, of trying to change the look of your team in yeah. terms of you know steadiness and and that's you know, the mistake free. You know, and that's and that's the weird thing, yeah. Russ. I I just I just heard I can't remember who said it, but it was somebody definitive. Uh, I. I just heard that Carolina is in the market for a defenseman because they have too many offensive defensemen and they need yeah. somebody who's more of a right. stick home guy. Yeah, I mean, we are we are seeing we are seeing that right now. We're seeing the cyclical defenseman thing, which always cracks me up. We're seeing it now swing back. Like there were how many? It, it, I remember being on this show ten years ago, or and writing ten years ago about how many how valued offensive defensemen were. Like everybody needs an off. So so we saw everybody draft offensive defensemen. We saw everybody go out and get. And now it's like now everybody's looking for a defensive defenseman, right? So it's well, like they are because I guess there are a lot. But again, like if I'm spending a ton of money on Ekholm just to bring him in for his defense, yeah, I may not pay as much as I would normally pay, honestly. I think the, team, the kind of team, the kind of team will go. Like, have you go? Well, I mean, I, I just don't think that I'm making my point strong enough for Russ. Yeah. Like I no, don't think are. they're trying to buy defense or trying to buy offense. They're trying to bring in a guy who's going to change the entire look of their defense. When right. you bring in a guy in like Ekholm who can play 20 to 21, 22 minutes, he can give you a little bit of offense, but you know how steady he's going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he gives them for a third of the game um, just a confident, steady uh, look where, you know, they're kind of up and down in Winnipeg defensively. Yeah. I get that. I think for the Flyers who are desperate, it makes sense. I don't know if it makes sense for Winnipeg, honestly. Yeah, but, but the question is, how much does it make sense for Philadelphia who, if they add an Ekholm, are they even going to get out of their own division? And that's the that's the question I ask. Are they an Ekholm? Oh, it's a great question. It is. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I, I I think Winnipeg's been pretty impressive, you know. Um, well, yeah. Here, 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 I, you know, I wrote this uh, to yesterday. Yeah, this is um, a good article. I want to talk about this article. The, the – um, you know, if you look at Winnipeg, their offense is right there. They have the same number of goals as, yeah. as Edmonton. They're not that far behind Toronto. They're in the ballpark. You know, I think they were tied for fourth or fifth in scoring. Mm-hmm. Their goaltending, uh, to be honest, I like Freddie Anderson, but I'd take Hullabuck over Freddie oh, Anderson. Oh, every day. I take, I yeah. take uh, uh, certainly him over the Edmonton goalie. So their yeah. offense is and, – and their goaltending – is good enough against that level of competition. Yeah. So where are they a mess? Well, we know well, where they're a mess. Right. And, and, and back in. So yeah, right. that's what I'm saying. You know, they're not trying to add a depth guy. They're adding a guy they think can change the whole makeup of that defensive group. And I think he can do that. I, yeah. I'm i really bullish. You know what's interesting about that, Kevin, is this. Like, they they have been that way since when? Like, since they lost – their what their character of the defense was, which was Dustin Bufflin. Dustin Bufflin was no, like no, 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 no. no I, I really Dustin Bufflin gave their lost, defense lost, some character. They lost four defensemen. In I know, but year. since then, 
since then. I mean, I really thought I really felt like Bufflin gave that defense a character. They gave when, that defense a player that people hated uh, to play. Yeah, I don't think he was. They were struggling even with Bufflin. When you when you when you at the very end, yes, but you know. when you lose, well, Sherratt, that's all he'd be now. When you lose Sherratt, Tyler Myers, Truba, and Bufflin within one calendar year, your defense is screwed. And they, yeah. and they, I know they, they added Pionk, and Pionk has been a nice add. But if you watch that game last night, and believe me, I have all the respect in the world for Connor Hollabuck. He gives Team USA a chance to win at the Olympics based on the way he played in the last two games. And I know he plays that, he's played that way the last couple years. They will not get out of the second round of the playoffs with that defense. Not a chance in hell. Well, you can't say yeah. not a chance in hell because. He'd have to stand on his head for seven nights. Right, but he is capable of doing that. Maybe, but if you need – I would say it's a small chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let's do a couple of things. Um, I wanted to – also, for the last um, for the last 15 minutes of the show, I wanted to do – people whenever give Kevin on, I always get complaints, and I always forget this, and they're not complaining about Kevin. They're complaining that they don't get to ask Kevin things. So I think that we need to have question and answer time with, with the professor. I'm going to call Kevin the, the hockey professor – so this is uh, our professor. It's looking good now. I like the mustache. It's really like it. Uh, right. Well, I explained this uh, earlier, but yes, uh, I you know I was so uh, Civil War general like <laughs> my beard, and I gave up command of the South Carolina uh, brigade, and uh, I thought, okay, it's time to you know get back to civilization. But it's taken me. I, I've had to not whack this off in four stages. I'm in stage four. <laughs> I just keep taking the chunks of it. Uh, you know, little by little, and now I'm down to this. I, I, I figure, you know, I'll get it down to a normal mustache, maybe tonight or tomorrow, and then by Monday, I hope to get rid of the mustache. But it's, would you, this would be the handlebar mustache, which is like rare. Well, you know, that's this as far as I could get. You know, I can only allot so much time in a day. I understand. <laughs> He's only got a certain amount of grooming time. Yeah, yeah it's just ridiculous. I mean, can we all admit that women are just way better at that kind of thing? I mean, my God. Well, I we just, just don't complain about our faces. Yeah. Let, so, um, let, let me let me bring up one thing quickly here because it just broke before the show, and I think it has potential in terms of what uh, the uh, one particular um, uh, contender might do. Uh, the news broke that Anders Lee is out indefinitely with a lower body injury. Now, you know, okay, wow. we're a month, we're a month before the deadline. We have yeah. no idea how serious the injury is. It could be a couple weeks. It could be, but if this is serious, if it's a long. Now, and here's where I'm wondering if Lou kicks into gear here. I think the Islanders were going to do something with Lee healthy. This makes it even more imperative that they go out. And I think if they were going to add something, Kev, it was going to be up front. I think they need, sco I think they need scoring, yeah. and I think it makes it even more important. Yeah, they've, they've really been, and they were one of the teams I talked about as well. Yeah. You know, they're leading, they were leading, uh, uh, I don't know where they're at today. I didn't look at it, but uh, they were leading that division, and we still weren't talking about them. You know, we were, we were talking about Washington. We're talking about is Pittsburgh going to yeah. make it? What's right. wrong with the Flyers? Now, no one talks about the Islanders, and I think we don't talk about them because their offense is poor. Right. Uh, it's below average, and, you know, we like their defense. But I think the difference is, is their goaltending this year, in my opinion, is and it's never been horrible. Um, but now it's really good. Like their yes. goalies have played it's really well. well. Yeah. So you've got that going now. So now they're better in goal. And I thought they were really going to miss Taves, um, but they've they've been fine defensively. And we know what uh, Trotz can do given time yeah. to scheme for a seven game series. So 
you know, they're right there. But I, I agree, you, they got to get some offense. And losing Andrews Lee, um, boy, that just compounds the issue. Yeah, if I, if I were them, I mean, I think the, having Noah Dobson playing more minutes and playing really well helped would be uh, Taves' loss, no question. If that didn't work out, like if he didn't wasn't having yeah. a good year, it would look really bad. I also think because Wallstrom's looking really good, you can give him more responsibility and then go out and get Raquel. I think Ricard Raquel is your guy to get. Yeah. Uh, because he does make sense. He would he actually make that team me. really dangerous. Like, it, it, I mean, they're already dangerous, but I mean, they, the thing about the thing, reason we don't talk about them is they're just God awful boring to watch. Like, and oh, I, as, good, yeah. as good as they are, I mean, they really remind me of the Devils of way back when but how you know, boring is winning that was Elias to me like basically you could take go i mean it's like this is what you have it's like you have a team that's just going to frustrate the hell out of you they play three distinctive different ways they play one way with the lead one way when they're tied one way when they're behind i made the same argument when we when the devils were winning cups act you can yeah. bore me to death all you want when you win and they yeah, win no that, that's right when you were a devils fan i remember actually doing a story on this you know it, it was it basically sports writers go in and they get bored, so they write yeah. about it. it's the boring style. Yeah, yeah, yeah so fans outside of New Jersey start to say the boring Devils, and yeah. that, that's how it works. But when you were a fan of the Devils, they didn't seem boring. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah no, for sure, for they sure. Were, well, winning, you know, winning is winning, you know. And yeah. Lee, Lee is leading the Islanders with twelve goals. After that, Brock Nelson yeah. has eleven, and Barzil has nine. So there, there is definitely a gap there in scoring. I mean, so. Even if he's healthy, I think they needed to add goal scoring. Now I think it's massive. Yeah. And well, Ruck Ruck is right a goal scorer, and, and I think Wallstrom can do yeah. a little bit more with a little bit of responsibility. And you know what? Again, they'll tighten up a little bit more on defense, and they'll score a half a goal less a game, and they'll yeah. still win games. Well, how about how about this? Um, if, if not Raquel, and Raquel has got a year left in his contract, could this be a potential destination for Taylor Hall? I don't think they would go that deep, though. I don't think they're going to. Well, Buffalo's got to retain salary cap. No, but I know, but I don't think they're well, going to. Yeah, assets well, to if, if Anders Lee is out forever, uh, you know, yeah. it would be easier to accommodate. I Crazy. really like uh, Russ's suggestion to Raquel. Yes. I, I think that would be the best uh, mm -hmm. uh, solution. But I, you know, don't rule out anything with Lou Lamarillo. Uh, no. You know, uh, he. I, I've I've talked about this in terms of David Poyle. How be, uh, the way he conducts himself, people view him as conservative. When yeah. he's not, he's one of the more aggressive general managers in the league. Well, the same is true of Lou Lamarillo. Yes, Lou Lamarillo is viewed as a kind of a conservative guy, close yeah. to the best. But when it comes to his team, he's one of the most aggressive general managers, and you know always goes out and tries to make something happen. And I would expect he would do that, particularly mm -hmm. if Lee is going to be out long term, because yeah. for as well as you know what's happening in that division? If you look at it, there are four teams playing at six twenty or better in that, or it's the five teams, five teams, five teams at six twenty or better. Uh, and what's that? What's that means is they're all beating each other and then feasting on Buffalo, uh, you know, essentially, and occasionally the Rangers. Yeah. And you know the point of all of that is just because the Islanders are in first place now doesn't mean they couldn't fall all the way out. So they sure. got to be careful. Uh, yeah, uh, you yeah, got to get Philly. I mean, they were looking good two weeks ago, and now yeah. they're not. That's right. You get that, no, that division is so tight. You got to yeah. be really careful not to, uh, you know, think you you can put it on coast and get in. So, you know, he, you know, if Lee is out for a long time, he's got to act now. I'll give you yeah. one more name too, and and this would be Lou dipping back with his old team, but I think even more than Taylor Hall because 
I think the Devils would also retain. I, I think he, he would might go for Kyle Palmieri. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like yeah, that. I, I, I still, of all those three, I think Raquel is, is. Yeah, I do yeah. too. He goes here, you know, then down for a little bit, yes. and then down a little bit more. Uh, the brief discussions I've had with Fitzgerald about Palmieri, there is, he just wants to keep him in the worst possible way. And I think he'd be a trade. Right, but, but, but if he, doesn't have, a, if he has, doesn't have a deal before April 12th. No, I know, but he's working on it. And I think he really he would be afraid of moving him out of there at all. But, yeah. You know, I you know, you know. You know where Paul Mary's been at Tanak? I think you've rumored about this last year or the year before, but Boston has always been yeah. connected to Paul Mary, and that that could, you know, they're they're definitely looking for depth of scoring, and and you know that would make sense. I yeah, think it's yeah. a long shot. Same guy I brought up yesterday. Uh, we maybe you talk about Evander Kane because in court right now they're talking about terminating his contract. So this would help him out with his um, bankruptcy case. I mean, okay, I, I, I looked into this, Russ. Yeah. The, thing, the thing is, if the bankruptcy judge changes the chapter from 7 to 11, then uh, right now San Jose is saying they are guaranteeing that they are not going to void the contract. Oh, they're saying that now. They weren't saying that. Like no, they're, saying, they're saying if it stays chapter seven, oh, if it stays that way. If okay. if the if the bankruptcy judge changes it to chapter eleven, then all all bets are off. So if it goes to eleven, they could terminate his contract to help him out. Right. But I know it sounds crazy, but it would help him out. But yes. also, he'd be a UFA at that point. I don't know what, exactly what the rules are becoming a UFA in the season like this. Well, it happened, could it, just sign him. it happened with Bogosian. If you're terminating, yeah, you're terminating the contract, then he's a UFA and he, right. he can go anywhere. Yeah. But, I, but I seriously yeah. doubt he's going to sign a $700,000 one-year contract unless he wants to prove himself someplace. I mean, else. he might with the Islanders just to, to win a cup. He might. Yeah, I, mean, I read the book on I read the book on bankruptcy. It really doesn't get going until around chapter eleven, to be honest. It's um, it's pretty slow. You know, no one pays any attention to chapters eight, nine, or ten. Jesus. Um, <laughs> Just throwing it out there. If you're, yeah, if you're yeah. Vander Kane, I mean, if you want to win a cup, don't you? You call Brisbois and Tampa, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. say I'll come for seven hundred thousand, and yeah, right, have space for him. The Islanders will have space. I, I certainly yeah. don't think he's going to go back to Winnipeg or resign with Buffalo. Yeah. No, no. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I know they lost last night, but but I watched uh, Tampa play last night, and you know. That team now has reached the ridiculous stage. It has. You know, they're number one in defense, number one in offense. They got the best goalie in the league. You didn't play last <laughs> night. Um, yeah. uh, it's just absurd. They're 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 nasty. Uh, they're hard to play against. Uh, you know, I, I, that team is really, really, really good. Like, and, and on top of that, and the cherry on top of the Sunday, Kev, is today Julian Breezebois came out and said that Kucherov is on track to come back. <laughs> oh, it's a miracle. It's a yeah. miracle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but, he'll, uh, he'll add something. You know, you know, Steven Stamkos can disappear because of injury for a long time. You know, they just keep chugging yeah. along. And I know that, you know, that they, they failed to, to win until last year. But, boy, coach is good. Cooper's and, there's, good. And, and their system is producing young kids like like Radish and Volkov. Yeah. And, I mean, they're they're generating, you know, they, they draft well. They develop well. They don't rush yeah. players. I mean, we talked about, like, what, what the buyers would add. And, again, I don't think they really need to add anything other than the goaltender 
uh, you know, McElhaney doesn't look like he's, uh, you know, he's, he struggled the last few games. Maybe they would go out and get themselves a third goaltender in case. Yeah, but you know, you'd yeah. only go out and get a goalie if you if there was a a proof that a guy could handle playing five out of the last fifty games. Because before he played last night, that's what they announced on television. That of the <laughs> last fifty games, he has played five of them. Yep. Now I don't know many goalies who can <laughs> look sharp. You know, when you know there's fifty games and you get five of them. But my theory, and Ak always fights me on this, is if yes. your number one goalie goes down, you are dead meat. Yeah, Most that's that, Ken Holland always used to say that all the time when people would, would say, he said, well, you know, everybody's in the same boat. You know, if you lose your... Yeah, I mean, other than Cam Ward, it's hard to find a team that's won a cup with a backup goalie. And and yeah. Alan brings up the other the other little bit I wanted to bring up. Uh, yesterday, Jordan Bennington signs six year extension, thirty six million dollars. That's a good deal. Um, good good deal, and um, it it sort of brings a contrast here because now they're talking, Kev, about Bennington being the starting goalie for Team Canada at the Olympics. I yeah. think they're putting together that Doug Armstrong is the GM, and he'd probably go with him rather than Carey Price, who, even though he's bouncing back a little bit, and I think Hellebuck is going to be the goalie for Team USA. But yeah. you look at the free agent market now for next summer, and if you're looking for a goaltender, you are crap out of luck because there are two really good goaltenders. Tuka Rask, who I don't think he, I think he's either retiring or he's going back to Boston, right. and Freddie Anderson. And after that, it's it's you know the Auntie Rantas or oh, one good goaltender is what or the or stop it the Linus Olmarks, you know guys who have question marks. And I, I know Russ is yeah. starting the I hate Freddie Anderson society here, but I, I mean honestly, <laughs> if you need if you need a starting goaltender. Freddie Anderson's going to get well paid in in the in the free agency. Sure, I'm not paying Freddie. Look, he is really good in the regular season. Well, you're not his agent, but I'm asking. I, let's yeah. move on to another thing for a oh, second. I'm not paying him six and a half million. Yeah, I, I've got a topic I want to talk about too. Go ahead, Kev. Let's go. Well, I was just going to bring up uh, it, it, uh, another team that I wrote about that um, mm -hmm. I've been following is Minnesota, and yeah, I was going to ask this. I, I've been. I've been um, Following them in 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 the context of uh, as I s try to figure out the mess that is the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, <laughs> I think what I'm bothered by most with the Sharks is uh, when I look at that team and I look at their roster, like I have no idea what the plan is there. Like, yeah. what are they trying to accomplish? Do they think they're in it now? They they don't appear to be rebuilding. It doesn't seem like they're retooling. I know they're in a bad spot because they have both Burns and Carlson and they're paying a billions of dollars for their defense. And I, I don't know what their plan is. I think well, they're in the mud. I don't, I don't think there is a great plan, Kev. No, I think, that's, that's the issue. I, I look at Minnesota's roster right yeah. now, and we know what their plan is. Yeah, right. Because we see Kaprizov, uh, Greenway up there as well. Exactly. Rumblings that Dumma is, mm -hmm. is going to be traded. And we know that Bill Guerin is coming in there, and he looked at that and said, you know, the culture's been wrong here. And that word is overused, but in this case, it's it's the perfect word. Yeah. The culture in Minnesota wasn't good enough. Um, it was something was wrong with it. And I'm going to change that by bringing a bunch of younger players. Uh, and Erickson Eck also is having a breakthrough season. You look at their, their, their guys that are getting it done, their young goaltender, 
um, uh, that's won yeah. eight in a row. Um, they're all the younger guys. And, yeah. And I mean, that's, that right now, if you start listing the league's entertaining teams, I'm putting Minnesota up there. I mean, yeah. off, it's just fun. It's unbelievably fun. Which is yeah. which is something you haven't said many times in the Minnesota Wilds. Never. You've never history. said that about well, right. when Gabrick was there. So well, not I mean, really. For, I mean, oh, it was just Gabrick. Couple of seasons, not really. No, Gabrick was Gabrick. I, I was don't remember. I'm I'm with Eck on this, Russ. I don't remember the team. I remember people talking about Gabrick. Well, no, I thought we were talking about Gabrick more than the team. That's fine. No, but like yeah, when had Minnesota been like was, been like you're going through the center ice package and you're like. When are you going to stop on Minnesota and say I'm going to watch that game? Like, how many? Oh, times? I got you now. Gabber. Yeah, I know. I, knowing you know, I remember talking to Craig Leopold years ago, and I brought this up before is that they did they did studies and the Minnesota Wild where they had like no fans that weren't in Minnesota. They were like one of the few. They had the least amount of fans outside their market of any team in the NHL. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was the that, that was the Dwayne Rollis and Manny Fernandez uh, Wild team with Jock Lemaire, where Gabarik was the only guy who could score. But I mean, yeah, right. they're they're an exciting team, but. But to your point, Kev, they have to trade Dumba because they have three defensemen with no move clauses, so they have to protect Spurgeon, Suter, and Brodeen. So they either trade Dumba before the deadline or before the expansion draft, or they lose him for nothing, unless they unless they protect eight skaters and uh, and and uh, protect him and lo- risk losing one of their young forwards. So that, that that's that's a distinct but playing like you're playing now. Do you- you can't trade Dumba. Like you've got, you've got to ride this out. I think you, you, you if you have a chance yeah. to actually win something, if you lose him for nothing, you lose him for nothing. Yeah, if you, if you don't, you know, you have a chance to win the Stanley Cup here. I mean, you, you know, know, you can, you can trade him later. Um, yes. But you I know, the, later, yeah. the point of the point of Minnesota is, is they, they got it all going on. You know, in my other uh, uh, freelance work that I'm doing for the betting site, I've been uh, in a position to analyze teams and. Uh, they were playing Vegas the other day, and I had to call uh, that game on which was the better bet to uh, either the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Minnesota Wild. And, boy, when you compare those teams, like uh, Vegas has been a model of consistency, really, throughout mm-hmm. the season. Um, but when you compare Minnesota over the last 25 days, they've been every bit as good as the Vegas Golden Knights. Their records are almost yeah. identical. Minnesota is scoring more goals than, than Vegas, right, right. Uh, and uh, they they got a lot going on. I mean, uh, uh, the the goaltending has been comparable, even though you know Mark Andre Fleury, uh, Vezina candidate, is in uh, Vegas. Um, there's, right. uh, there's just so much to like, and uh, Bill Guerin has done a really fine job of yeah, getting turned around. He really has. Look, I think, think he's really good. Make him look smart. We knew he would be an instant impact. There was no doubting yeah. that so it does make him look smart but the other things he did all those things he did last year with Kaprizov now is what's making him competitive and the fact that Zuccarello and Kaprizov now are one of the best two-man two combos in the league yeah. you know that's that's going to help a team now will the goaltending stay through I think Kakanen's a good goalie I don't know if he's a great goalie and it may take a great goalie for them to to be able to finish and get in the playoffs and actually do something is it is it Kakinen or Kakinen? I've heard both, and I don't. I've heard both. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I think I thought it was Kakinen, but I don't know. Anyway, um, the um, yeah, I think that and, you know, it's interesting because you have Parisian Suter there, who the beginning of this whole big thing, they're really minor role players in this whole thing. 
at times. You know, when you watch the Wild right now, they're really not. Not for minutes. Suter is big on minutes. For minutes, Suter is more so. But Parise is really yeah, like Parise you know, is a role player. Parise Parise got he's, really, like, he's a great role player to have if he's in that role. If he's willing to do it, he's a great role player to have because yeah. he's won. You know, he's been in situations. He's won Stanley Cups. He's got a lot. He has a lot. Like he's the kind of. If the Wild were going out now and making a trade deadline line acquisition, he would be a great guy to pick up for them. You know, he's we think about it, he's just he's a good fit for what they have going on. So yeah, the Garen and not to say Garen hasn't tried to trade him because he did, <laughs> but um, you know, the uh and I don't I don't think that that's and we talked about the Islanders needing somebody. Do you think Lou would go back there again and maybe then talk about that again? Um I you, you know, you can't rule out anything with Lou. To, yeah. So I, I think anything is possible, but uh um, you know, he's he, he can't stand Pan, I know that. Well, yeah, the, yeah, only, yeah. the only the only thing I I would say is if, and Lou Lou would be somebody who could sort of arrange this. If you could trade for Zach Parise and said Zach, you've got four years left in your contract. If 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 you're going to play out those four years, we have no interest in you. If you tell us like Vinny Lacavia, you're going to retire after next year, then we you know we'll trade for you. But if if you're gonna if you're going to stay for right. four more years, we have no interest in you at all. The thing about the Wild is they're yeah, not. Yeah, get some questions up for Kevin Allen. Though, we're talking here. And we'll, last thing I was going to say about the Wild is they're not going to put all their eggs in one basket because Marco Rossi will be there next year. If he didn't get COVID this year, he'd be there this year, and that's going to put them in even better shape. Right. Let's start here um, with Christopher Patton. He wants to know this question, and Kevin will ask you this. Anyone think Subban gets moved with some retained salary? It'd be PK Subban. Yeah, I've I've heard that and had discussions uh, with GMs about that, and I think they're as curious as the fan base. But I I, I think not. Um, yeah, I just think the, the the cap situation, everybody's so tight. Uh, yeah, that I think it would be hard to move a player like him. And you know, he's not like what's the enticement? You know, yeah. it's not like he turned it on this year and everybody. Yeah, he's there. just a guy. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I don't see it. I I think PK Subban is exposed to Seattle. They might they might pick him because he he has a one year cap hit at nine million bucks and he's you know he's great PR but he's not a great player anymore and I think after the last year of his contract he's going to end up as a seven hundred thousand dollar bottom pairing defenseman on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm -hmm. All right, Kevin, yeah, what do you think of Daryl Sutter as a coach? <laughs> well, you can't argue with his resume. Yeah, uh, you know that that's the problem. Now, uh, the the question is. You know, even since the Kings won, the game has changed uh, quite a bit in terms of, um, you know, dealing with players. And uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that team responds. Uh, like he's definitely old school, um, but he's a lot like a lot of the Canadian players who played for him, in particularly uh, Canadians in particular, you know, like him. You know, he's, uh, like he's pure Canada. Uh, you know, and you know, he's a guy that's uh, on the team bus. He reads uh, farm machinery magazines, and, uh, <laughs> you know, like like you know, he's for a while he's pretty amusing, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, after a while, that wears off. Uh, so <laughs> I think over the short term, uh, you know, he you know he truly believes that you know hard work can you know outperform skill, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you can get your players to buy in on that and they need some of that in Calgary, you know, that could work. But I, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, he wouldn't have been my first choice. No, yeah. With me, but, you know, Kev, I really think it matters 
what they do at the deadline. If they get more of his type players, maybe they do make the playoffs. Yeah. You can't move some of these guys. It's going to be a harder thing to do. Think about this is one thing I want to throw out about him that I think is interesting. He is definitely, you know, he, I always think he looks like um, Sam the Eagle from the Muppets, first off. But I do think that, and there are great pictures out there, search Sam the Eagle and Daryl Sutton, you'll see what I mean. But um, the other thing, I, what I really do think is he plays off this, like, I'm not the smartest guy, let's just work hard type thing. Um, and I think he plays it a little bit as a role. Like he, he's a much smarter guy than, than people give him credit for. I mean, for as much as hard work beats skill and all that stuff, he also, you know, there were, there are very few teams that were better at like at a better system at getting out of their own defensive zone than like the LA Kings did when they were winning Stanley cups. Like they were a well coached team. They were a well, they weren't just working hard. They had, they had absolutely some real systems in place and they knew how to use them. Now, whether or not that was, you know, Stevens on the, as a, as an assistant or whatever, doing that behind the scenes, they knew what they knew how to get out of it. That 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 Kings team to me, what that was always amazing about watching them. And I don't think they ever get credit for is their ability to get out of their own. And their their breakouts were just were so strong that they were almost impossible to forecheck. And that's why that Kings team was just so so deadly. Um, all right, Kevin, should Buffalo hire Hitchcock to start that franchise down no, the right? No, I you know I would go with Rutherford, and I know okay. Buffalo, Buffalo fans would be opposed to that simply on the basis that Botterill. Uh, came from Pittsburgh, but that it's that, that's two different situations. Yeah, Adderall had never been uh, a general manager before. He had been a long term, long time assistant. Rutherford has got a track record, yeah. and I, what I would do is I'd even keep Kevin Adams. I'd bring Jim in, make him director of hockey operations. Okay. You know, tell you know, Jim, you're older. You know, you're not going to be coaching this team when you're or being general manager when you're eighty. Um, right. Although Lou Lamarillo might. Uh, yeah. But. Uh, and I'd bring him in and let him do his thing. And, well, yeah. uh, let Kevin Adams learn some. Kevin mm-hmm. Adams is still going to be the general manager. He can deal, you know, with the the, the day-to-day stuff, and uh, Jim is uh, would be free. And, and, I, you know, it doesn't seem like they're going to go in that direction. But no, I was, was going to say, Kevin, everything you just said is intelligent and right on target, and the Buffalo Sabres organization is not going to do that. Apparently, they don't believe in team presidents. Uh, Kim Pagula is the team president of the Sabres and the Bills. They had a bad experience mm-hmm. with Russ Brandon. They're not going to go down that road again. Hell, they don't even have a scouting staff right they now. They don't have. Two, they don't have an assistant general manager. Yeah. Even- it's ironic because they have one of the best team presidents that ever in in um, in Quinn. Remember way back when he was like, yeah. he was he was really he was really a good team. And honestly, he was a great yeah. team. President. Well, I, I I don't know that uh, you know I would that he you know he wouldn't Rutherford wouldn't have. You know, butt up against uh, uh, butt heads with the the P- Mrs. Pagula because he wouldn't have anything to do with. Uh, no, no, no. I, 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 I mean, assistant GMs like they don't have any. Mike I, told I'm me not, that I was shocked. I'm not saying that that Rutherford would, but but apparently that's not the structure that they right. Bring, you know that, that well, yeah, they're, they're streamlining for sure. Now, I, I will say this: I think the. I think the perfect fit, and he sort of let things slip on a Toronto radio show that he might have interest in Buffalo. First of all, I, I you know, Kruger may be gone before the end of the year. I think he'll be gone before next year. They're going to be looking for a new coach. Yeah. 
I, I have a feeling Bruce Boudreaux might be the way that Buffalo goes. I mean, especially with the fact that, you know, Bruce has got a, you know, sort of bubbly personality, sometimes a little caustic, but I think he would fit with Buffalo and there definitely needs to be sort of a change of, uh, of whatever is going on, sort of cleansing the palate of this organization. Because right now, fans in Buffalo hate this organization with a passion. They yeah. really do because all they've done is disappoint and lose. Yeah, if I if we start to talk about coaches, I, I, they they should consider Gerard Gallant too. Yeah, you know no, he has yeah. a, 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 a interesting mix of old school and likability. Yeah, yeah, uh, where he is, he can be tough. Uh, he can lay down the law, um, but there's something about him that's very very likable. One of my favorite stories about him was. Uh, I went in the year when they were, uh, um, uh, they got all the way to the final, and I can't remember whether it was the first round, but everybody was talking about how bad their power play is, and um, he says, you know, I'm I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that our power play is good. Right. Uh, and I understand the modern statistics and uh, uh, you know the fancy stats and all that kind of stuff. I look at them all the time. But I'm here every day with this this power play, and I watch it in practice, and it just feels right to me. And yeah. I've been around hockey a long time, and I just figure that, you know, we'll start scoring. It's going to happen just because it, the, the power play feels right. It doesn't feel wrong. Uh, there have been times when my power yeah. play didn't feel right, and I've changed. Yeah. This feels right. And, of course, they went on a run and started playing very, very well. And I, the guy that has the confidence – in this era when everything is so overanalyzed to just say, my gut tells me we're going to be all right. You know, I, yeah. I appreciate that. So I like that. That's good. And I, I would love to see Galant back in the game. I think that he, you know, and it would be, it would be the perfect, I agree. That's actually the perfect fit well, for Buffalo. I'm about to write an article about the Sabres. I might actually steal that a little bit, Kevin. I think that's the, a great idea. The most interesting free agent coach going into next season because I, I, I think I'm fairly certain that he's not going to be back where he is right now is Torts. Yeah, Torts is yeah. And where he ends up, Kevin, and that's the thing. It's like, I mean, I, I don't think I, – I, he used to be in the Buffalo organization. He was head coach in Rochester uh, under, like, the Scotty Bowman administration back in the 80s. Um, I don't know whether he'd want to take on the, where the Sabres are right now, but there are other organizations that he might be a fit with. Plus, I'm not sure that he's right for the Sabres no. right now. Like, I like Tortorella. Yeah. I, I get along with him great. Uh, I respect what he does. Uh, you know, I would calm him down a little bit if it were up to me. But <laughs> but uh, I think he, you know, we all said last year what a great job he did getting yeah. that team to be competitive. And, um, you know, he gets a lot out of his players, and most of them end up liking him. Yeah, Kev, I think he could end up back with the Rangers. That's the funny thing. Yeah, yeah, nothing is uh, wouldn't rule that out. But I, uh, for Buffalo right now, with the Eichel situation there, with the, the the fans not being happy, you don't want that distraction of uh, what's John going to say today right. uh, hanging over you. So I, well, you do. <laughs> so I, you know, that's why I think you want a guy like the, Gerard Gallant is very mediagenic. Yeah, uh, you know, he's uh, he's going to be interesting. Um, so uh, I, I'd want something like that. Another guy, you know, I know they're not going to go in this direction, but you know, a guy like Ray Shiro coming in also as GM yeah. change things. 
Yeah, and the last last question here is former president of BHWA. Kevin was oh, one god of all of all. Remember, if Kevin could change anything about the way hockey awards are voted for, what would it be? Oh, that's a great great question. Um, what would I change? I have a few suggestions. <laughs> I have one. I know I have one. Go ahead, Russ. No, I like Kevin to, if he wants. No. Wait, no, go, go ahead. Don't let me think. Right, about my, it. my one is to change the Calder to 22 years is the is the oldest, and it's 22 and under. It's no longer what it is. That's what I would change. I would I wouldn't go 22, but I uh, I was thinking about going changing that. 22 might be too low. So 23. Yeah, because we got to get college guys in. Yeah, right? 22, 23. I, I'll go. Yeah, yeah. 23. Um, I'm okay with 23 also. Yeah. Um. Um. I'll say I would. I would. They narrow it down to the top three uh, for the award ceremony. I think they should. You know, we've seen the Oscars say, "Well, it used to be the top five, and then they then they expanded like to 10. I would say expand it to five. To have your top five uh, be, uh, you know, that here are your nominees for the Norris, and it's A, B, C, D, and E instead of just three guys. I think it narrows it to the field too much. One thing I would do absolutely for sure is uh, to bring back the true meaning of the Masterton Award. Um, you know, it's it's too much of a become evolved and too much of comeback player of the year. Yeah, right. I would, uh, I, you know, Masterton is supposed to be about dedication to the game and perseverance, not recovering from an illness or, right. you know, having uh, struggles uh, the previous year and then playing better. Right. Uh, year. And when it first started out, that's what it was. Um, you know, they just, it, it was, it was, uh, I, I don't want to call it a good guy award, but it was recognition for uh, great contributions to the yeah. game over a period of time. Um, like, you know, how, like, uh, you know, Chris Chelios uh, should have won the Masterton for, you know, how hard he had to work to stay for as long as he did. So, and I think it would be, you know, like Chris Tang said one year, uh, the Masterton is the one award you don't want to win because you've got to go through something horrible. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want it, you know you had a bad year. I'll yeah. give you a good example. I interviewed John Rattel once, and he was actually, he talked about winning the Masterton in 71. And I guess, you know what? Even a player of his stature, where he was scoring goals like crazy and he was a star in the league, that meant a lot to him. And it still does. Yeah, and then the other thing I would change, for, uh, and I, I wouldn't change it just arbitrarily right now. I would actually study it uh, because I think it does need a study, and that is the left wing, right wing distinction mm -hmm. uh, and the center ice. Uh, I remember talking to Dan Bilesma about this uh, uh, several years ago, and he, he pointed out that he, he never even uses those phrases in the in the course of a season like he would right. never say the left wing goes over here and the right wing goes over here <laughs> he would say f1 yeah f3 and he said you know there's really not any distinction you know it's you know sometimes uh, depending on the four check system of what people are going to do and so i wonder whether it's time for us to to look at it as a forward group or you know maybe centers deserve a distinction because what they do is completely different than what wingers do. But, I, you know, I wouldn't say I would change that, but I would at least look at that. I would um, look at that, too. I think that that's a, yeah, that's a really good uh, Because I think, uh, 
you know, right now we always run into, you know, sometimes there are, you know, five great right wings and only two yeah. great left wings. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the one thing I would say is that I think that there needs to be a number, put it like 60% or seven. Like if a, if a player doesn't get a certain percentage that, that we take that you would take it into a runoff of the top three. I think I think I th I'm a real big fan of that in general when you have something like this, you know, because what happens is you get all these people who take votes away from other people and stuff like that. You don't really get to necessarily who the best guy is, but if you have like I don't know if it's you know if it's got, if you make it you got to get over fifty percent or over sixty percent or whatever. I think, I think percentages would would solve that. It's not a bad idea. It's a pretty good idea. Well, the only problem with this is the logistics well, that would be difficult. Yeah. It's a second oh, okay. vote, I know, but you, but I think you then get down to like, okay, you know, people aren't voting for these stupid, the, the stupid votes disappear, you know, and you and you get down to brass tacks, like who are these are the three best guys, let's now vote, let's now just vote between them, see where we get to. One 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 thing I would bring up, um, you know, since that the uh, organization had gone uh, has gone to transparency, uh, and every year we have um, some votes that uh, make us cringe. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I said this when I was president as well, and and we moved over time to transparency. Like it took some time. Yeah. I remember the first year we took a vote, it was a vast majority didn't want to uh, publish it um, for a variety of reasons. And it's not that they were afraid to show their vote. I, a lot of them, you know, some of them were uh, their newspapers didn't want them to vote, and they wanted to vote. Uh, right. Um, they didn't uh, feel that. Uh, uh, you know, the added pressure of, uh, um, uh, you know, some people felt that if you're in a small community with the only beat writer, that puts a lot of pressure on them. Usually the beat writer that was there didn't care. But but the, some of the right. guys said, ah, you shouldn't do that to, you know, somebody in Florida who's the only person covering the team. And then, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, you, you can, uh, there were reasons to do all that. But, um, you know, you're never going to change the fact that somebody always thinks they're funny um, yeah. or they right. want to draw attention to himself. Right. And so I don't care whether you have 20 voters or 60 voters or 80 yeah, right. voters or yeah. 300 voters. Um, there's always going to be some people. It's going to exist. Yeah, who are going to put in yeah. a, kind of a nutty vote either to draw attention or because they think yeah. they're clever. Are funny. Yeah. And so. especially in this day and age, and we'll leave on this is that I do think what's changed the biggest in that whole organization in general from the first time, like I, got, I, I talked, you, you had me come in in Dallas at the All Star game and talk to the professional hockey writers as a blogger when blogging was just starting out and the internet was starting out. Now, because of the internet, because of Twitter, hockey writers are more celebrity ish than they ever were. Um, before, when I felt like when I first went in that time, they were like, these are guys I read, but I really didn't know that much about them or their lives or, or what they liked or what movies they would go see or anything like that. You know, now people, I think there's a definite celebrity type thing about that Twitter kind of gives people this feeling of like, okay, we're not just covering this, we are covering, we're like part of the story ourselves that makes putting your vote out there more appealing to everybody. Yeah. We got a brand now. You know? Exactly. And that's, yeah. that did not exist when I first came in and I got, I got, People thought people were accusing me of it because you know that's what you know Eklund was kind of like that kind of thing. Now it's something that definitely exists. Yeah. All right. Back to go, guys. Everybody. I, I, I do think we have to have as many people vote as possible because yeah, I agree. you shrink the, the the margin of error. The more people you have voting, the more uh, likely you are to make sure you get it right. 
Yeah, but by the way, I think we've gotten it right for a lot of years in a row. Yeah. And by the time you approve somebody for that organization, they should be. You should be okay with them voting. To me, that's like. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. I agree. You know, like instead, why do we have to like we're we're approve this guy? We're not going to give him a vote. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like just just you're approving or not approving him. All right, folks. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Um, We will see you again on Monday. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.